0: Lecture Topic Raining the Nafs. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, he was a father, a son, a son, a Amma a son, a لا أقسم بيوم القيامة ولا أقسم بالنفس اللوامة. صدق الله العظيم. Most respected students of Deen, mothers and sisters. In this Ayat of the Quran Sharif, Allah Taala takes a Qasam on the نفس اللوامة. We are all familiar with these aspects, we have heard about them previously, discussed previously. We have primarily two main enemies in this journey of life. When a person knows about his enemy, then no sane person will be careless and not bother to take the necessary precautions. If a person is aware that somebody is trying to harm him somebody is trying to hurt him, somebody is trying to Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us from all these difficulties and hardships somebody is trying to kidnap him, somebody is trying to hijack him And if that information has come from a very credible source, from somebody very authentic, very reliable, somebody who's involved in the intelligence services in a very high level, he has come and informed someone that, look, so-and-so is going to try to hijack you, try to do this or that. When people get such information from a very credible source, it then changes a lot of things immediately. These are based, what is being said is in a very general way, but people have had these kind of experiences. And in the light of what they experiences were, this is what the example is all about. Now a person got some very credible, very reliable information that now he's going to be, or somebody's attempting to hijack him, to kidnap him. What happens then? people immediately take precautions. People change their entire routines. A person now has a routine of waking up and then leaving home at a certain time to go to work, for example. Now that whole routine of what time he goes to work changes. He used to go in his normal vehicle. He's now getting somebody else to come and fetch him. Uh, he's going at random times. No more going on a fixed time. Uh, what, why he doing all this? He is trying to outsmart the enemy. Now somebody is trying to harm him, is planning to kidnap him, planning to hijack him. Uh, he is doing something to outsmart the enemy. So now he started off a routine which is random. So someday he is leaving at a certain time and someday he is leaving from a different, uh, at another time. Someday he is leaving in one car, another day he is leaving in a different vehicle the third day is getting somebody to pick him up, so now he's trying to confuse the enemy. And then he's keeping an eye all the time, he's being very alert, he's not dropping his guards, not taking chances. Why? Because life is in danger, his wealth might be in danger. So because of the danger and the threat to his life, to his wealth, to his property, he is now taking all these necessary steps to protect himself now that information sometimes though it came from a very reliable source it is sometimes not correct many a times person really receive some information but then it turned out that that information was not correct it was a misunderstanding somewhere somebody got mixed up somewhere, it wasn't about the person concerned, it might have been for somebody else. The point is that reliable source of information too, but in dunya, that reliable source can make a mistake, can sometimes get deceived in themselves, whatever. But yet because the person is generally reliable, the person is trustworthy, so we take so many steps to protect ourselves based on his information. Now, here we have a situation that we have two enemies in life. The one enemy is the enemy of Shaitan who Allah Ta'ala Himself has declared in the Quran Sharif: Inna Shaitan lakum adu'un, fattakhidhu aduwa." that Shaitan is your enemy. In another ayat, Inna Shaitan lakum adu'un mubeen. an open enemy. Not even hiding behind some bush. He is openly trying to attack you. An open enemy. And regarding the other enemy, the nafs, Nabi Kareem sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sallam has mentioned this to us, that the worst enemy is the one within you. Now, what more credible information do we want? What more reliable source can be ever imagined? Allah Ta'ala and Nabiya Kareem are highlighting to us the danger of these enemies. And despite now knowing that this is the enemy, but there is no attempt to protect ourselves, nothing to secure ourselves, not bothered to try and save ourselves from these enemies, then what a foolish person that can be. If somebody gets reliable information that you are being targeted, and somebody is trying to place a hit on you, or whatever else, and the person is not bothered, the road that they told him, that this is where the plan is taking place, to now hijack you, at the same time, the same place is driving down, and then he gets hijacked, everybody says that this is the most foolish person, he had all the information, people took all the steps to come and tell him, but he just didn't bother, very foolish of him. So likewise, when we, regard that as foolish, how much more foolish it is that we ignore what has been told to us by Allah Himself and Nabi Kareem. Not ignore in the sense that we don't believe in it, but we still conduct ourselves as if it's not really a problem. So this is the first thing. The first thing is to understand that this is a major problem that we have these two enemies. Both are very, very dangerous enemies. On the one hand, nafs is far more dangerous than even shaitan. Because there was a time when there was no iblis yet. There was no shaitan yet. There was this jinn who was very pious. And who was even the Muallimul Malaika. He was the teacher of the Malaika. But then Allah Ta'ala gave him a command. The command was to make sajda towards Adam But he then refused. Allah Ta'ala commanded him to make sajda. And he refused. This jinn who was Muallimul Malaika. Such a high position he was given. He was the teacher of the Malaika. And he used to make excessive ibadat. Azazil was his name. And now when command came from Allah Ta'ala to make sajda towards Adam A.S. He began debating with Allah Ta'ala. خَلَقْتَنِي وَخَلَقْتَهُ تِينَ You've created me from fire. You've created him from sand. Why should fire bow down to sand? Sand is what comes down towards the earth. Fire rises. Fire is up. Sand is down. Why should I bow down to him? And he started debating with Allah Ta'ala. Now, the thing is that yet there was no shaitan at that time. What made him get deviated? What brought this terrible pride in him and made him start debating with Allah Ta'ala? He got deviated by his nafs. His nafs deviated him to such a point that his nafs made him shaitan. His nafs made him Iblis, made him accursed, perpetually, forever. So this is how dangerous and uh, how problematic the nafs is, that the nafs is what made Shaitan into Shaitan. So Iblis was such a, before he became Iblis, he was such a pious person, such a learned person, but if nafs could topple him to such a point that made him Shaitan, so what is anybody else's situation? It's only the Anbiya Alim who are ma'asum and sinless and the awliya, alim, the awliya of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala Allah special help is with them because of their very very great closeness to Allah Taala and their piety but the rest of us how prone we are to get caught up in the tentacles of nafs so now, what the lesson and the point here is that we can never ever be unmindful of this nafs because this is how dangerous it is. This nafs made such a pious person, made him into shaitan. So it will make others shaitan also. Person won't realize he's becoming like a shaitan. Obviously, Iblis is Iblis, but meaning that nafs will make a person into Iblis and shaitan's agent also. So on the one hand, this is how dangerous nafs is. But then there is another angle to it, that shaitan is a perpetual enemy. He will never, ever become anybody's friend. And he will keep whispering some evil or the other. As soon as he gets a chance, he will keep whispering the evil. So, therefore, shaitan, there is no way of ever making shaitan one's friend. But the other side of it is nafs. As dangerous as nafs is, if the correct effort is made on nafs, then nafs can become a person's friend. Initially, is the worst enemy. When that nafs is on the level of إِنَّ النَّفْسَ لَأَمَّارَتُمْ بِالسُّوُ That this nafs excessively commands towards evil, incites towards evil. The nafs, the nature of the nafs is such that the nafs is only desirous of pleasure it doesn't even bother about whether it's halal or haram but it must have pleasure and in that it doesn't then let a person stop at a point if it's halal pleasure also, for example some delicious food halal it's perfectly permissible to consume that food it's Allah's na'mad so mashallah Allah Ta'ala provided the na'mad, then the nafs desires it, because it's delicious, it's very tempting to eat, so now, wants to eat, another person eats some, then he eats a little bit more, and the nafs wants even more, and he eats even more, now it's halal, it's perfectly permissible, it's halal, but then the nafs keeps pushing to the point, where now it starts becoming harmful, it's halal, but now if a person overeats, then what happens? Now this is the nafs, that the nafs is not even really interested in whether it is halal or haram but the pleasure must be chaste, chased pleasure and chased desires. So now even if it's a halal desire, but then the nafs will keep pushing it to a point where it will push it into the danger zone. And now the person will be overeating and overindulging. And in time now, that becomes the problem. And if halal for that matter is at that time not, so to say, available, the nafs will push in the direction of haram also. Wherever that desire can be fulfilled, in whichever way halal, haram doesn't matter. That's a nafs. And shaitan, shaitan will always push a person towards haram. Now if there's something delicious, some good food, shaitan will now still turn the mind away towards something haram, that this is, make 101 excuses for this, this drink is not so really so tasty, it's a halal drink, some juice whatever it is, but this doesn't really have that real taste in it, and the, right now this is not even cold enough, and right now this is this or that or the other, and the. Shaitan will push a person towards consuming something haram instead. But now both are the very dangerous enemies of ours. But now the nafs, if a person makes effort on the nafs, and what is the primary effort on the nafs? Not to give in to its haram demands and its halal desires also to keep it within the reasonable limits. And beyond that, to suppress it. If a person wants to eat something, it's halal, it's permissible, it's available, it's there, so he'll eat, no problem. But then now when it has eaten, and now the nafs is pushing for more, so now to suppress it. When it's going to now move in the direction of now, harm, it's pushing towards overeating, now to suppress it. And if it is a haram desire, and the nafs is pushing in that direction, then to totally suppress it. Then to not give in at all. Now this is itself the effort on the nafs. That the person now is suppressing it. And the more he suppresses it, it gradually starts becoming his friend. This is the Ajit thing here. Others you suppress them, you rebuff them, you are hard on them, they run away. They don't want to be close by them. You see, no, this person is not a good person. And when you try to help somebody sometimes by being some little bit firm, parents are trying to help the children by being firm on them, by being little bit keeping them disciplined, then they are not happy about their parents. They mualimas, their teachers, some elders, family people who are a little bit firm, little hard in the sense that they won't allow the wrong to be done, etc. They won't allow a person to harm themselves. So now those are the people we don't like. Why we don't like them? Because they don't want us, or don't allow us to do what we want to do. What do we want to do that they're not allowing? Oh, that doesn't matter what we want to do. Whether it is harmful, it is very, very bad, it's something that is going to harm our dunya, it's going to destroy our akhirat, doesn't matter, I want to do something, I must be allowed to do it. So we don't like people who are there to help us. People who are trying to guide us, who are trying to make us into somebody good, make us productive, we don't like them. Why we don't like them? Because they come in the way of our fun. So now this fun, chasing fun, is what nafs will do. And to a point of destruction. Because we haven't learned to control it. we haven't learned to control it, then it becomes like a wild animal. And this wild animal then is wild. That wild animal doesn't even know who, whether it's own or somebody else, it will just create havoc. So now likewise, this nafs just wants to chase that desire, and like a wild animal. So now the effort on the nafs is to suppress it, and now if the person has already made it into a wild ari- animal, then he's going to have to make even more effort to suppress it. If a person has now raised a lion, I bought it as a cub, so at that time it was tame, but now it became a lion, and if a lion is a lion, somebody had been tamed one lion. There's a, some story about somebody had tamed one lion, but one day that lion also went off the rails, they say, and that lion attacked him. The lion that he raised attacked him and killed him. The incidents about people raised some dogs, very dangerous dogs. One day the dog turned on the owner. It's a wild animal. Animal is animal. So any case, the nafs also, now to restrain it, to restrain that lion, can't just go about it anyhow, extra effort, You have to get a cage and do so many things. So likewise the nuts has become a wild animal now, it will need extra effort, we'll have to take guidance from somebody, get help from someone, how to now cage this lion, and then how to weaken it, and how to then suppress it. So now when that effort is made, and over time this wild animal has been suppressed, it gradually starts becoming one's friend, unlike others, they run away. It starts becoming one's friend. And this friend now starts rebuking him when he wants to do wrong. In the nafsa La that the nature of the nafs is that it excessively commands towards evil, that is its nature. But now when effort was made, its nature starts changing. And it starts becoming one's friend. It now becomes La Oksimu Byomil qiyamah وَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِالنَّفْسِ اللوامة، Allah ta'ala takes a qasam on the nafs that nafs that excessively rebukes. So rebukes what? One is when it is still not yet fully one's friend that it will rebuke after the incident, after the problem. But that too is progress from where it was. First it was inciting towards evil all the time. Now, it's not inciting, but it didn't even help beforehand. The person fell, the person committed some wrong. Now, the nafs is rebuking, but why you did this? This is haram, this is sinful, this is bad. Don't you have any shame? Aren't you ashamed Allah ta'ala is watching and you committing this haram? Are you not afraid that you will get destroyed in this manner? Now, the nafs is rebuking, but when? after after things have happened. But then the person continues suppressing the haram desires of the nafs, making an effort on the nafs, then it graduates to a point beyond that. Now it starts rebuking before the issue. Now the person is being tempted in some direction, but the nafs is rebuking. How can you do this? This is such a terrible thing. This is such a destructive thing. You are going to suffer very serious consequences out of this. Dunya and Akhirat will be affected. Now the nafs is rebuking when? Now before something. So now he is initially like torn between the two sides. One side is the temptation and the other side is this very rebuke of his nafs. And if he listens to that rebuke, it will get stronger. And gradually that will become very, very easy for him to now accept that rebuke. And stop in his tracks, not to go ahead with the wrong and the evil. And when he continues in that manner, then that nafs now becomes his very close friend. That nafs becomes, Ya ayyatuhan nafsul mutma'inna. Becomes nafsul mutma'inna. What is this nafsul mutma'inna? The very nature of the nafs becomes what is the requirement of deen. What is going to please Allah Ta'ala? When a person is hungry, then the very nature of the person is that now he is inclined towards food, he wants to eat, he asks to eat, he starts taking steps towards going to eat, nobody has to give him a big bayan that since you are hungry you must eat, he is now moving towards food, likewise when the nafs becomes nafs e mutmainna whatever Allah ta'ala has commanded becomes his first nature. He doesn't have to be woken up for salah, he moves towards salah. He doesn't have to be encouraged to now make tilawt of the Quran Sharif, to make zikr, tasbihat, istighfar, be kind to others, to do things that are going to now be, to bring him closer to Allah, he won't need any bayan for that, he'll be driven from within. And likewise he'll be driven away from sin when there's temptation towards sin, that nafse mutma'inna, just as it's, its very nature is to run away from a snake, from a scorpion, to move away far from fire, the same happens now with haram, with sinful things. That the nafs itself now moves away. It runs away. It doesn't have to be told. So now this nafs became the very, very great friend of a person now. When? When it became nafse mutma'inna. So the So, Shaitan is a perpetual enemy, forever the enemy, never ever will become anybody's friend. But will just be pretending to be a person's friend. But in that pretence, Shaitan will guide, must guide him towards all evil. And nafs is a more dangerous enemy than Shaitan also. But if effort is made on the nafs, that nafs now will become a friend of a person. How? It will start changing. From nafsah, from become nafsah lawama, and then will become Mutma mutmainna, that nafs which is totally at peace with Allah commands, and that becomes its very nature. So now, what are the things that are going to help to make this nafs, this nafsah mutmainna, which is such a crucial thing? Otherwise, we are in such severe danger. So, among the things that are of crucial importance, one is. The excessive zikr of Allah Ta'ala. This is a very, very fundamental aspect. The excessive zikr of Allah Ta'ala, it does not mean that the whole day a person is going to be reciting some wazayif or some tasbihat the whole day. No. That is something we need to take guidance on how much we need to recite in a day. But we should have to make our whole day zikr. So one is the verbal zikr that we are required to make. Somebody would be making a few hundred times istighfar, a few hundred times Duru Sharif. that we can even increase much more, but that is one part of it. Tilawat of the quran Sharif, a very, very important zikr, the masnoon du'as, all this, the zikr of Allah Ta'ala is a fortress, and a very, very strong fortress. If it is done correctly, it is done repeatedly excessively through all the different forms of zikr, the masnoon du'as the recitation of Quran Sharif the tasbihat and zikr that we are prescribed and likewise all the time a mu'min on their tongue is subhanallah, jazakallah masha'allah, all the time something that is now linking themselves up further with Allah Ta'ala so now all this becomes zikr at the time of fulfillment of salah, the salah is being performed, that is zikr, when there's some temptation towards haram, that is being suppressed, that is zikr, and that is a very, very great zikr, that solely for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, that nafs is being suppressed, shaitan is being rebuffed, so that a person does not fall into the traps of nafs and shaitan, that's a very great zikr. Our oh, Shaykh Haddad Shahati Makhtar used to often express it in this manner, that for the light to come on, there's two wires that have to be in place, the positive and the negative wire. Anybody familiar with a little bit of how electronics work, then they will know about the negative and the positive wire. Now if the positive wire only is there, the negative wire is missing, the light is not going to come on. So this is just an example, the positive wire is like the a'mal that is done. All the amal that are performed, the salah, the zakah, the fasting, the hajj, the tasbihah, tilawat, etc. All the amal that are done, this is the positive wire. And the negative wire is, staying away from haram. Now, this will also be in place, staying away from haram, this zikr is happening as well. Now the light of taqwa will light up in the heart. And now the noor of marifat will settle in the heart. And this is what now will enlighten the hearts, And it will become so enlightened and so bright, like we see in the company of our Mashayikh and Ahlullah, that people sitting in their company, their hearts get enlightened, just merely out of their silence. Let alone them saying anything. They are just silent. In many of the great Akabir, people used to go and sit in their company, and then, leave after a while, I mean that entire time they heard nothing, but they felt everything they heard nothing, but they felt a whole lot of things happening in their own hearts. It got enlightened, it got became so enthusiastic towards righteousness, suddenly, there was an aversion for sin. Now, where this came from? This was the power of the light in their own hearts in this the hearts of these Mashaikh and Ahlullah. So this bright light and this floodlight of Noor, this is what impacted on the hearts of others. Now this comes from where? From both the positive and negative wire. The positive wire is all the Amal. And mashallah, these personalities, how much of Amal they perform, we can't imagine. And the negative wire, they are constantly making mujahada against their nafs. And they are suppressing it as a result of which this nur and fire of taqwa is lit in the heart very, very strongly. So now this is what we have to become conscious about. The effort on protecting ourselves by making mujahada against the nafs. Now we are heading towards that part of the year when there are so many temptations people are confronted with. Come the December month, And it is the so-called silly season that comes, which in their own words they've called it silly season, which means that they become very foolish, very silly. They leave behind all their intelligence. And they just start chasing desires. And as a result of this, they destroy their dunya and akhirat. Those who are without iman, they are without iman, they are goners. What can we say? Mimic dua for their hidayat as well. But those who have iman... They have iman, subhanallah. But yet they're following in the direction of those who have no iman, in terms of how they conduct themselves, in these very, very dangerous times. So we have to become very conscious of Allah Ta'ala. And not follow in the footsteps of shaitan, not chase the haram desires of the nafs, otherwise this can become a very major problem for us. So now, one was zikrullah, excessive zikr of Allah wa Ta'ala Ta'ala. The second is his mujahada. The mujahada and the striving against the nafs, so that the nafs now becomes weaker and then moves on from its nature of Amaratum bisu towards Lawama, starts rebuking us, and then moves on to nafs al-mutma'inna. So now this mujahada. And how is this mujahada made? At the time when the temptation comes, whether it is a halal temptation that is pushing us beyond the boundary. so In itself, it was permissible, but now that it is going beyond the limits, that too becomes problematic. In any case, as far as haram is concerned, then that is out of the question. So now, how is this mujahada going to be made at the time of that temptation towards haram, etc.? Through deal with the nafs like a person deals with a troublesome child. A three-year-old, four-year-old child is pestering the parent and becoming troublesome and causing now taklif. After a while the parent becomes very irritated and he shouts at the child, says please get away from here and whatever else. Now the nafs has to be treated like this very rebellious child. Don't become very soft with the nafs. We talk the nafs into complying. Reprimand the nafs. What's your problem? How can you look in this direction? How can you speak? It? You want to say this, how can you speak? This is ribath. You'll be destroying your amal. How can you look at haram? You'll be destroying your heart. It will be engulfed in darkness then. It will be engulfed in zulmat. And that zulmat itself will then take you to further dark deeds. And you'll fall in this ditch of, and this very deep hole of destruction. You will hurt yourself, you'll hurt your family, you'll hurt everybody. Now, to, to talk oneself in that manner. Not to become a passive participant and then say, well, I don't know what happened. I'm not sure why I did it. I don't like to do this kind of thing, but I don't know why I did it. Now, all that is not going to then undo what has happened. We have to talk ourselves out of it before the issue. So now the zikr of Allah wa ta'ala the aspect of the mujahada against the nafs and together with that is dua. Allahumma la takilni ila nafsi tarfata'in. Subhanallah. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam is making dua. Ya Allah don't leave me to my nafs for the blink of an eye. Nabi Kareem sallallahu was ma'asum. He was sinless. Nafs could never have harmed him in the slightest bit. But he's teaching us And it is his humility at the same time. That making dua to Allah in this way, teaching us as well at the same time. That look, this is the thing of concern. You are making, mashallah, duas for other things. But have we made dua for protection from the traps of nafs and shaitan? So dua. So mujahada, a'mal, dua. And in this way, inshallah, we will see how easy it will become to perform the a'mal that we find some difficulty in, how easy it will become to stay away from things that are haram and forbidden, inshallah this will pave the way towards righteousness this will pave the way towards reaching the nafsul mutma'inna, may Allah wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq, Allah ta'ala save us from all the sins and vices, Allah ta'ala keep our heart attached to righteousness and take us closer to him all the time and raise us on the day of qiyamah النبي الكريم صلى الله عليه وسلم عند صحابة الكرام عند أولياء أمد وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير وجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير رَبَّنَا هَبْ لَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنٍ وجعلنا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا رَبَّنَا فَاغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا وَكَفِّرْ عَنَّا سَيِّئَاتِنَا وَتَوَفَّنَا مَعَ الْأَبْرَارِ رَبَّنَا وَآتِنَا مَا وَعَدتَّنَا عَلَى رُسُلِكَ وَلَا تُخْزِنَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ إِنَّكَ لَا تُخْلِفُ الْمِيعَادَ اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك من نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر مستعذك من نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصل الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه الجماعين الحمد لله رب العالمين.